All right, well, we are in our series um, dealing uh, with leadership, and uh, we're ta- walking through the book of Titus. Um, and Titus is a big book, uh, or excuse me, it's a little book, and, oh, I lost it. It's all right. Does anybody have a needle? I need a needle. I dropped my needle. All right, so here's the deal. <clears throat> Titus is a book dealing with leadership. Paul is teaching and showing Titus how to lead. He is showing Titus what it means to be a leader. And so far what we've looked at has all been stuff to where Paul has already, um, for, for these people on the island of Crete, he's already cast the vision that he wants the people of Crete to see. He cast the vision for for, aha, here we go. Sorry, I'm so distracted today. I've got it. All right, somebody's got a good eye. He's cast a vision for the people of Crete. And that vision is this. That vision is that they can see that they could be and should be somebody greater than they are right then in and of themselves. When they link up, when they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they will begin to see their purpose in life. They will begin to see what God wants to use them for. And Paul has cast this vision out. And he said, this is, this is who you can be, Cretans. You know, that's because they're Cretan, the Cretans, you know, that's their name. Cretans, this is who you can be. You can be men and women of God. And then he says, Titus, taken off. Dude, you are in charge. You implement the vision. This is a big deal. Because vision has been cast all throughout this book. And he helped them to see already before this book was ever written, before this letter was ever written, he helped them to see what that vision was. And then he told Titus, you implement the vision. And this is going to be your first point. Before we ever get into the book, or chapter 3 today, but before you ever actually get into the book, you need to understand something. Point one in your program. Leaders cast vision of what could be and what should be. Leaders cast vision of what could be and what should be. Whether that be within your family, within your life, within your neighborhood, within your, your city, the greater New Orleans area, whether it be within the whole world. If you see something and you have a vision from God, and I'm not talking about like you fall into a trance and all of a sudden things get weird, you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you just, you have this burden on your heart. Something God is speaking to you and saying, I want you to step forward and be my man, be my woman. I want you to step forward and listen to me because I want to fulfill my plan through you. God has a plan for your life. And if you have a burden on your heart for something, God wants to use you. If you have a burden, more than likely you have a vision for how to fulfill or get rid of that burden. And so today, we are going to talk about vision. Because over the past couple of chapters, Paul has been casting this vision. He's been telling Tim, uh, Titus, he told Timothy in the books of First and Second Timothy, but he's been telling Titus in this, in this little letter, Titus, this is what I want you to do. This is how, this is how a leader should look. 
Titus, this is what a leader should be doing. And then last, last week, we looked at, at what it looks like when a vision starts to get fulfilled. Y'all remember what we talked about? How when Titus be, becomes this leader and he starts teaching people these different things that he's supposed to be teaching them in Christ, he should be seeing these people have one eye on heaven and Christ's return and one eye on themselves, on their relationship with God and how they can grow in that. Notice none of, none of their eyes are on what's going on around them or distractions of the world. It's always on Christ and it's on Christ in them. This is a big deal because vision is a big deal. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn to Titus. We're looking at chapter 3. Today we're going to look at one sentence. One sentence. We're going to look at two verses, one sentence. I'm not disappearing. I promise you. Where are you going? If you need some Bibles, there's some back in the back. Uh, we're on page 827 in that Bible, actually. Um, and we're looking at Titus, excuse me, 827, yeah. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Let me read the whole thing for you, and then we're going we're gonna to kind of break it down. Break it down. All right, verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. Now, notice this first little phrase Paul gives here. Remind the people... These things that he lists after this sentence is done, or in this sentence, these things that he lists, they know. He's preached it to them. He's told them. He cast the vision to them. He said, guys, you need to be respectful of rulers and authorities. You need to be obedient. All these things he's already told these, these people. But he says, Titus, I want you to remind these people. Remind these people. You know why he tells us this? Because vision leaks. Life, as it goes and the way things go, it just kind of wears you out. You know what I'm saying? For instance, say you've got a great relationship with God going. You spend time with Him on a daily basis, but one night you go out and you stay out a little late. Hold that for me, Ben. One night you go out and you stay out just a little late. And instead of spending time with God and maybe hanging out with Him, you decide, I've got to go to bed. And then you wake up late the next morning because, well, you stayed up late that night and you don't spend time with God. And then you, you're rushing, 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 and you notice that you're just grabbing a Nutri-Grain bar on the way out. Anybody else eat those? I eat those like they're candy. Thank you, Curtis. I always get a good shout-out from Curtis. All right, so you, you grab a Nutri-Grain bar on your way out, but what you notice is that when you're in your car, man, you didn't actually stop to pray and spend time with God. And as you're driving on the road, some dude ticks you off, and you decide to not act in a Christ-like manner. I don't know, that's none of us, right? And then when you get to work, you're, you're, you, you feel like you've been rushing, and you sit down, and you're like, all right, got to settle down. i got to slow down. 
And then somebody comes up to you as you're trying to slow down. And they're like, hey, Jason, I need you to do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, and this. And they're like pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. And you just, you just kind of snap. You know what I'm saying? You're like, ah, I can't take it anymore. And you find your nearest needle. And then you say, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. But I'm just not acting Christ-like in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And all of a sudden, somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you got that report? No, I don't have that report. Of, uh, no, I'm sorry. Why don't you have that report? Well, I was supposed to work on it last night, but I was out having fun. Not doing what I was told. I told you I would do. And then you finally get through your day. And you come home, and the kids are screaming, and your wife's going out of her mind. And this isn't my family. This is just any, any family, really. And, and, and you notice that, that things are, are not well, but you just don't have the patience for it. And, and she runs up to you, and she says, Jason, you got to help me. I'm dying here. Jason, please, please, please. And you're like, get away from me. That's what you're thinking. You don't say it, obviously, because you're smarter than that. And, and, you, and you're just like, no, I can't take it. I can't take it. I need some time. And she's wanted time all day long, and all you can do is say no, 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 no. And what you realize at the end of the day is that, one, needles don't actually let any air out of a boat. And two, you are worn out and you are deflated. You are just, and I'm not talking about your day. I'm talking about your life with Christ. I'm talking about you and and the fact that you have neglected your relationship and, and, and you're not floating anymore, you're just you're sinking with your head above the water, and you don't even realize it until the end of the day. And all of a sudden, you come to your wife after she's put down the kids, after you've done nothing, and you apologize and start to make things better and repair the relationship. God wants so desperately to have a relationship with us. But life is a grind, isn't it? It's a routine. And, and that routine is, is something that we, we actually love. But you know what it does to us? It actually pulls you away from God in many ways. When you are walking with God... God challenges you. When you get into your routine and that routine starts to pull you away from God and you're drifting from God, when you, when you get out of that relationship, there's nothing challenging about it. There's nothing life-changing about it. God is challenging. God is life-changing. And God wants us to follow Him every single day step of the way. Routine's comforting. And for some reason, we prefer routine because we think we've got control over it. And and guys, listen to me. This is a lie. Y'all know this, right? Just because you you have a good routine 
doesn't mean you have control over it. It just means other outside influences have not affected you anytime soon any, or recently. You don't have control. God has total control. And, and when we become attached to the routine, it will pull us away from our Heavenly Father. God wants so desperately to have a relationship with me and with you. And Paul is reminding these people, guys, stick to these things. Hold on to these things. Be subject to rulers and authorities. Obedient. Be ready to do whatever is good. He's reminding them because the vision leaks. The vision gets out in our everyday routine. Y'all with me? Everybody follow me? Don't let, as leaders, and every one of us here are leaders because, you know, many of you have, have given your life to Christ and surrendered and made the ultimate decision, the biggest decision you can ever make, and that is to say, Father, I, just like Amina Brown, the girl's, up, the girl's name is Amina Brown, she's a, um, um, a poet and just incredible, you can find her online on YouTube, she's got some incredible stuff, um, but just like she said, giving your life to someone greater than yourself. Someone who has total control. This is what Paul is telling the people and reminding the people in these little things. Don't forget, guys. As leaders, you have to constantly, me and you, whatever your vision is, and the people that follow you in that vision, you have to constantly remind them what the vision is. Because vision leaks. Vision leaks. This is your second point. Leaders constantly renew the vision. They constantly renew the vision. You have to remind others because it will refresh, it will reboot, it will, it will bring you back to the original thought, to the original vision. It will help you to see the forest in the midst of the trees. You know what I'm saying? Because you can get so worked up and doing, you're doing, 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 and you got to all the admin stuff, and I got to do all this, and I got to do that, and I got to, and then you got to step back, you got, whoa, 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 why am I doing this? What's the big vision? You have to renew that vision for yourself many times. Now, y'all remember why we started this church? We started this church, and many of you uh, were not even here. Um, as the way church plants always go, you, you start a church and the people who originally help you start it, they go back to their own churches or, or kind of dissipate or whatever. So many of you weren't here. But, so here's the reason, the vision for our church. It is to help people to start and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's it. This is the vision of our church. It's simple. It's easy. There's no, no big thing about it. But listen... We started the church, and we came down here because we did a lot of research. I, my wife and I did a lot of research. This is the city with the highest population of people with the least amount of effective churches. Does that make sense? 1.2 million people, five effective churches. And by effective, I mean they follow the model of the first church in, in, what, in the way they were effective with prayer, with fellowship, with 
with communion or, or taking of meals, with taking and, and listening and applying the apostles' teaching. And then there's a, another one that, that we never really throw in, but they shared their, their love of Jesus with anybody and everybody. This was the, an effective church. This is an effective church. There, there are, I can count five, maybe seven now. In this city for 1.2 million people. Some are large, some are small. There may be some that I'm missing, so I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't know everybody in the whole city. But that's a huge need. Do you realize that there are 98%, that 98% of the population here does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They may go to church, but that doesn't, give, that doesn't mean you're in, you know? You don't walk up to the gates and go, What's up, Pete? How you doing, man? I was in church. And he's like, Dude, I don't... Hang on. Jesus? You, I, I don't know him. You know, yeah, whoa, hey, you know. And, and, and church does not give you a ticket into heaven. Church helps and encourages your relationship with Jesus Christ. It challenges you in it. It does not give you an automatic pass. And so there are five, maybe seven effective churches in the city. Now, I count us as one of them, even though we're small, because I know many of us are out talking to our friends, and sometimes it's frustrating, and sometimes it's not, but we're just we're hanging out, and we're trying to do our best. And I'm sure there's many other small churches like that, and I'm probably not counting them. There could be 20, there could be 30, there could be 100, and there's still not enough. And so we've got a plan, a very specific plan, and I want you to understand something. Plans change. Vision does not. Our vision to help people start and grow in a relationship with Jesus Christ, it does not change. Our plans, we've had several plans, and they change here and there, but here's our latest plan. And this is something that we feel is going to be very effective. Uh, over the summer, you know, we had the crawfish boil, and, and that was great. And 300 pounds of crawfish, it was gone. Um, it was good. Butch, my neighbor, man, he's a good cook. And then, and then this Saturday, we've got the water park, and we're going we're gonna to put up just water slides and all kinds of stuff here. We're doing this for our neighborhood. But we're not, listen to me, and I want, I want everybody to really understand this. We are not doing this so that we can try to fill these seats. That's a byproduct of why we're doing it. We're doing it so that when people come and moms bring their kids and they're sitting next to the kiddie pool, you can go up, Leaf can go up, or you can go up, or somebody can go up and, and say, hey, I'm leaving, and y'all can talk to them. Revolutionary. You can, you can conversate, you can engage, you can connect with people. You can say, hey, why don't I get your phone number and why, why don't we go to coffee sometime? I'd, I'd love to hang out with you more. And the coffee leads to maybe a lunch or a play date with the kids. Guys, you can, you can meet up with other guys and say, hey man, why don't we get together and, and uh, go to a Zephyr's game? Something like that. It is so that we can connect with others. And, and if the byproduct of that is that they come to church, Great. But the reason we do it is so that you and I can be the hands and feet of Christ. Y'all with me? Because this vision does not get fulfilled without you. 
Leading, helping people start and grow in a relationship with Christ doesn't happen with just me. It happens with every single one of us. It happens with us showing up and sweating it out and talking to somebody. And then leading them to know a Lord and Savior that they so desperately want. Listen to me. This town is so desperate for such a love uh, that only God can give. And, and they know they need it, but they don't understand that it's Jesus. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me you haven't talked to so many people about, uh, about this very thing. They, they're, they're clinging and jumping at things and, and they want it, but they just don't understand it's Jesus. That's where you and I come in. And in the fall, we're going we're gonna to do, listen, the fall is make or break time for our church. Because we're a small church, the fall is the biggest time for us to be able to, to I, w- I would say grow, but it's more to, to engage in relationship, to connect, like I'm talking about. That's when, when change is just going crazy. People are in school, and they're just moved in town, and kids are going to school, and I'm waking up late because I've got to get my kids. To, you know, all this stuff is going on, and it's the most effective time to reach out to people. I, I don't know why, but it is. There's always an effective time. Spring's a great time. Easter's a great time. Uh, this, this is kind of church planning stuff. You can always reach out to your neighbors, all right? Don't be like, oh, it's not fall, so I'm not going to reach out and talk to my neighbors. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about big church planning type effectiveness, that kind of thing. And, and, and so in the fall, we're going to have a big kickoff. And I don't even know what that is. I need some ideas. But, you know, we've got some things going on in the fall. We're going to have a cookout. If we can get our neighbors involved, we're going to have a cook-off. You know, who can, who can cook the best food? And I'll be the judge of that, you know, so that'll be great. And, 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 and whoever wants to, you know, we'll have like a, a 12-panel judge. Um, and, and, you know, we got all kinds of other stuff, uh, trunk or treat, a yard sale, um, where we get, you know, neighbors, you know, maybe they have 10 items of junk that they don't want, but they don't want to throw a yard sale. So every, all the neighbors can come in and we'll plant uh, uh, tables out there and they can sell Junk, you know, one man's junk is another man's treasure. You know, all these ideas we've got, but it's incomplete. And listen, guys, we're not doing it to fill the seats. We're doing it so that you and I and, 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 and can, can reach out. And if you, you're an introvert, that's not an excuse because I'm an introvert. All right, I go home after the Sunday service. I, I, I shut down the blades, I, uh, the, the blinds, the blades, and, 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 and I watch golf and I fall asleep. And I'm like, oh, this is my comfort zone. You know, I'm an introvert. And if you're an introvert, it's not an excuse. You have to get out. You have to connect with people. This is our vision for this city. And we have to be the hands and feet of Christ. We have to get out. And do this. Now, in order to pull this off over the fall, and this is one of the most critical things, and you feel free to give me dirty looks, but in order to pull this off, I want to ask that you will commit to be here for eight straight weeks. And here's why. From the time that school starts, which is August 23rd, the Sunday before that, August 22nd, to eight weeks after that, and one of those weekends is Labor Day and... and We'll talk more about that. But eight weeks after that, people are coming. They're looking for a church. You know what's happened to us in the past is that everybody is gone, and we have ten visitors show up. 
they're never returning. Because for us, critical mass is a big deal. You know, like today, it's not very full. Today, you know, today we've got some people missing. Critical mass in this room, it makes things feel empty. And so we've got to have every person in a chair so that when people do come, they feel comfortable. They feel like, hey, you know, people do go to this church instead of coming up here going, where is everybody? It means you've got to be on time, too. You know, because people, visitors come early. They come five, ten minutes early because they've got to get a seat, you know. <laughs> we, you and I, we know, you know, we're just kind of New Orleanians and we just kind of roll up, you know. We've got to be on time. We've got to be early. For eight weeks straight, I want to challenge you to show up. And we'll talk about Labor Day. We'll kind of fill that out and see how that works because I know you're thinking, man, i got plans. But listen, I'm going on vacation that week. And if we need to be here, we're coming back. So I want to challenge you for eight weeks to be here because this, this makes or breaks our church for the entire year. I kid you not. It really does. It is a point to where we can actually grow because you've invested and invited or it's a point where we can just kind of stagnate and for a year almost just kind of barely make it by. You know what I'm saying? So show up eight weeks straight. Now, let's jump back in here. Leaders constantly renew the vision. This is what I just did with you. I'm renewing the vision. I'm helping you understand what's going on. And for the rest of these things, Paul says, be subject to uh, rulers and authorities. It doesn't, notice it doesn't say that these authorities are going to be perfect. Okay? It doesn't say these authorities. Romans 13.1. Romans 13.1. It's a, it's a great verse. It says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. Listen, you may not like Obama. You may love Obama doesn't matter. You pray for him. God put him there. You may not like Jindal. You may love Jindal. doesn't matter. God put him there. You pray for him. You may not like Mitch Landrieu. You may love Mitch Landrieu. doesn't matter. God put him there. You pray for him. The authorities that exist have been established by God. To be obedient. This, this is something that Paul's been talking about, that we talk about all the time. This is a general statement, to be obedient. He means be obedient to the authorities and to the rulers. He also means be obedient to Christ. He also means be obedient to those that are over you and in the, in the aspect of just, just authority, your mom, your dad, whoever. This is just a plain old general, be obedient. And it's something we need to understand. Do, be ready to do whatever is good. Be ready to do whatever is good. How do you do what's good? Here's, here's how we think good. Well, if I don't murder somebody, I'm doing good. That's not the way things work out. Here's, here's what God looks at as good. You serve Him. You follow Him. You serve His purpose. And don't let the distractions get in the way. Second, Second Timothy uh, chapter 2. Chapter 2 verse 20 says this. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for noble, noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter, he will be an instrument for, the, for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. 
Paul's writing to Timothy. And what he's saying here is, you can, you, you can do good things, or you can do great things for God. You can do things that look great, and yeah, they'll, they'll help here and there, or you can do great things for God. And he said, do noble things. Do the things for the one who is noble, for Christ. So we can't be distracted. That's how you do what is good. Paul's renewing the vision. Slander no one. We talked about that uh, last week. He wants, he wants this behavior, this gossip purged from every believer. Slander no one. To be peaceable and considerate. You know what leaders are? Leaders are peacemakers. They don't cause dissension. They try to destroy dissension. They try to take two people who've never gotten along and let them get along. They try to take two opposing theories or two opposing things and bring them together and say, let's compromise, let's work this out. Leaders, Christ-like leaders, are peacemakers. And to show true humility, this word humility also translates into a word called consideration. Y'all heard that, right? Show true humility toward all men. You see what he's saying here? He's saying be humble towards men. Considerate towards men. Don't put yourself first. You consider others before you consider yourself. This is a big deal. And all of this stuff is to remind the people. You see that beach ball, Ben? As a leader, I'm sure you have a burden for something. I'm sure something is, it gets, gets to you and you want to change your life or your family's life or someone's life. You've got a vision for your life. But you have to understand that if you don't renew the vision, it will leak. But if you do renew the vision, then all of a sudden people will get it and you will be of one heart. And one mind, and you will go ahead and slap that thing around. Yeah, let's get this party started. All right, you will understand that everyone has it. Don't let it touch the ground. You will understand that everyone will be on the same page. Everyone will understand what it means to follow the vision. See, everybody's following the vision to hit the beach ball. There you go, Grant. Nice. And when the vision is followed and renewed and you are reminding the people what it is it won't deflate you won't get discouraged and you will be of one heart one mind one goal and that goal should always be to worship and glorify jesus christ if your vision does not have that it's not a good vision (laughs) it's a bad vision If it glorifies yourself, it's just for you. It's not a good vision. But if it glorifies God, then you will have one of the greatest experiences of your entire life. But you have to renew that vision. You have to remind people. You have to tell others. This this serves a purpose in your family, in your apartment. This serves a purpose in your life. Renew the vision. Remind the people of the vision. Father, I pray that you will help us to understand and know. I don't know what each person's vision is here. I don't understand 
each person's heart and mind like you do. But Father, you have given us a vision. And I pray that you will help us to rally around the vision that you have for us. The vision to to reach out to this neighborhood, to reach out to this city, to invest our lives in others, and to help them to start and grow in a relationship with you. God, I pray for the individual visions that you've given us in this room. I pray that you remind us that we have to renew it within our own heart and minds and with those that are going along with the vision. Father, use us for your glory because our vision should only glorify you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.